Congratulations! You found it! The most inappropriate book club you never knew you were missing! Starring the original book divas Martha Steele and Vonnie Golden. And also featuring Keith Steigert, Uber Reader and Romance Junkie. Pat Greiner, she has the head of an English major and the heart of a sci-fi nerd. These people are passionate about books. Maybe a little too passionate. Plotting world domination one book at a time, they are three book girls. Did anyone else read that article that Martha sent in the messenger about lies they tell you about your body? Uh-huh. I did. The like, like telling you that if you didn't wear a bra when you started to get breasts, that your boobs would be saggy. There were a lot of those that I was like, wait, that's not true. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Because honestly, I, it's like... Well, they still sag somewhat, but I think they could sag a lot worse if I hadn't worn a bra all these years. But yeah, but does it really I, make a difference? So many, so many people hate bras. They've never bothered me. They just—that's because yeah, you never bothered Because me. you don't have huge boobs. Neither do I. I tried sleeping in a bra, and it was just so uncomfortable. Like I would wake up in the morning, and from where it had gone, like around my back, and got a and had twisted in the night i would have like big red whelps and everything like underneath my arms and underneath my boobs from where it just twisted and when it twists it gets tighter maybe that's why i slept so deep there was no circulation going to my brain (laughs) (laughs) it was cut off at the breast but i only did that for like maybe a week because my sister does and my sister's breasts are bigger than mine i think we've talked about that Mm -hmm. before too and she wears she has like her nighttime bra that she wears to bed and stuff and i just i can't do it i can't do it i tried it for a couple of weeks because she said it was better because that's what my grandma told her and i was like i'm just gonna have saggy boobs because there's no freaking way these are the lies they tell us did your parents ever tell you that the more that you shave the thicker your hair grows back and the more coarse. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, yeah. Me too. That's not true. People still try to tell me that when I tell them how I shave my face. I'm like those old wives. I think they tried to tell us that so that we wouldn't start shaving too early. Because also, I wasn't allowed to shave my legs. Well, I was supposed to not be allowed to shave my legs until I, I was a certain age. But everybody in my grade had started shaving their legs like a year and a half before I did. And we had to change in gym. So like I had these big gorilla hairs on my legs. Looked like I just crawled out of the Amazon. And everybody else is all smooth and pretty. And I quit listening to my mom and I just got a razor and started shaving my legs. I didn't shave above the knee until I was like... I want to say 30. Really? <laughs> because that was a thing. Like only sex workers need to shave above the knee. See, I, I mean, that's whoa. not what they were called in my youth, but you know. I, I had and, another friend that w- never shaved above the knee. I And I found that out because we used to go to uh, the athletic club together and she was shaving the bottom of her legs, but not the top. And I'm like, well, you're you're only halfway if you don't do them all. No, I never shave the top part. Let's see. Another one was about butt hair. That oh, women don't yes. have butt hair. Yeah. But you know, it, it's true that as you get older, you start to grow more like pubic type hair further out from where it was before. It like starts to migrate. Pretty soon before you know it, you got one down here mid thigh. 
It's like, what the hell is that doing down there? I probably noticed that if I had shaved my thighs in the last two months, but I haven't. So they all kind of look like pubic hair up there. And the butt hair, too. It definitely gets more populated. Mm. I can't see my ass. But yeah, but you can feel it, can't you? Like when you're showering and stuff, you feel it, you know, like, hey, that's awfully hairy right there. That's gross. Do you know how big my ass cheeks are? <laughs> I don't feel my crack that much. I mean, unless I'm wiping my ass. I don't. You don't You don't clean your ass in the shower? Well, I do, but I have a washcloth. I don't spend so much time that you're feeling the hairs and then making comparisons. <laughs> I don't like explore because it's hard enough to get the washcloth in my ass crack to wash. Do you need one of those special tools? <laughs> I have a loofah to do that because I can't One reach. of those special reachy tools for the holder sponge back there. It's kind of like a back scratcher, but it holds my loofah. I don't remember where I saw it now, but I saw this like this little video and it was a guy and he was talking to his friends and he was talking about how he lets gravity work in the shower. And his friends were like, oh, no, 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 that's terrible. And he was explaining it. And it's exactly the way I shower. And I was like, oh, shit, that's not the way people shower. Like, what do you mean? You actually. OK, so you wash your hair. Right. And you wash the things that are on top. And then the soap just kind of falls down to like your legs and stuff. Do you like actually pick up your feet and wash the bottoms of your no, feet and wash behind your knees? No, not in the shower. Yeah, I just like gravity do the work. And these people and these got his friends were all like, ew, that's not how you She's shower. Giving me the side eye right here. I, I just washed my that. legs and my do you really? See, the only apparently time I wash Vonnie... my legs and feet is if I'm in the garden. Well, I didn't know that you were supposed to wash the bottom of your feet until I overheard a conversation one time between two people. They're like, that person is just so disgusting. You know, they don't even wash their feet in the shower. And I was like, oh, shit. I never washed my feet in the shower. Maybe I should start washing my feet in the shower. So then I started washing. It was people that I didn't know. It was like at a grocery Isn't store it or something funny how like that, that kind of stuff um it's because it's not like somebody gives you instructions when you start showering when you bathe or at least when yeah. i was a kid we would take a bath you know and your mom would you know tell you how to clean all your bits and pieces but once you shower you're old enough that there's nobody in there with you to like tell you how to do it so how do you know if you're doing it right look they have right. a, a bum yeah, gun exactly a bum gun a bum gun it's a little spray nozzle that uh, sits next to your toilet that you can spray your ass off, I guess. But the only problem so with it's that, a bidet. Except it's not, it doesn't come up it's in the toilet. It's like a, you know, the spray nozzle that you have like oh, on your Oh, that's not going to get shit everywhere in the bathroom, is oh, it? Oh, my. I know, yeah, right? I'm yeah. Oh, my God. No I got that. Tyler a water pick one time when he was in high school. <laughs> Woo! I had water all over my bathroom. I couldn't imagine having one of these in the Next to I was just toilet. picturing washing your butt with a water pick and it scared yeah. the crap out of me. That's refreshing. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> but you know, we were saying about like how people don't tell you that yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah. I was, I was just, I was reading through Facebook and it was like one of those lists of things that just make you happy. Mm-hmm. And, um, there is a guy and he, when he was growing up, I think he was like eight and his dad died or left or something. 
So he didn't have a guy that taught him all that stuff that guys teach their sons. Mm -hmm. So now he has this YouTube channel and he, and he teaches young men like how to shave and like all this stuff that you would learn from a dad for kids that don't have dads, like boys that don't have dads. Like how awesome is that? That is cool. Like how to shave. I mean, I need one of those because obviously I don't know how to shower, but <laughs> well, if you don't know how to shower, neither do I, because I don't wash my feet in the shower either. Uh, well, like I said, the only reason she's still giving me the side eye, like no, ew. the only reason I did that is because that conversation, and I was like, really, you're supposed to wash your feet in the shower? I thought, like, you know, the soap is on the bottom. Well, it's yeah, like, it's all down yeah. there anyway. Why would you need to take ex- unless your feet are super disgusting? I mean, there's times that I'll like. um exfoliate my feet like now, around the ankles and stuff because I'll get um dead skin now I'm thinking yeah. of somebody specific in my family when we go on vacation whose feet are toxic maybe we should make that a poll on I feel Facebook. like it's different I mean do you wash your feet in the shower and and he wears these sandals around you know and never washes the sandals so the feet are always I mean they always smell like some something died when he takes off his shoes I mean he really Ugh. They're just gross. Now, in that case, I think foot washing, it was, you should almost have a foot loofah or something in the shower. But even in that case, I mean, there's soap on the floor, the shower, there's water. I mean, your foot's going to get clean in some way. I typed in butt loofah, and this is what came up. <laughs> oh, okay. Now I understand. <laughs> no, seriously, I've seen those things where they're like, um, they look like grass, and you pour soap on them and then yes, just I want one of those and then just kind of squish your squish your feet on them in the shower. I need to get one of those. Oh, I've, I've seen those. Yeah. I, I feel like now would that make me would fall. make that would make sense if you had something like that in the shower, kind of like a scratching post for for a cat, only it'd be a foot foot thing. I, for- I would like that because I am one of the I've because I'm a runner, too. I always I mm-hmm. wash have always washed like between my toes because. Your feet sweat and just oh. and they the water stinky. just running over isn't quite enough to get them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I, I guess that makes more sense if you're an athlete. Now, see, that's I didn't think about that. I soak my feet after I've exercised. Like in one of those massage thingy uh-huh. majiggers. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. So mm-hmm. maybe that takes all the maybe the hot water takes all the foot gunk. I mean, that's what they do when you get a pedicure. You just have your feet soaking in that. In that little tub before. Look at this handled loofah. You could use this in the bathroom to help wash your ass and in the bedroom if you're in a okay, little bit of Okay, once again, though. You get splinters <laughs> if you use that. I'm sure it's... Gravity doesn't work. Like, we have to have a, a butt loofah now. I mean, how dirty is your butt getting? It depends on who's I mean, butt we're answer. talking about. <laughs> <laughs> no, a butt loof would be great because then you'd kill two birds with one stone. You know, but then somebody's using the loofah off. for their face oh. and you've used it on your butt. But if it's something that has a long handle, are you seriously going to pick it up and hold it, handle all, and loofah your face with it? I mean, I guess not. Holding so it this away is like a like, toothbrush. <laughs> so this is a very long handled loofah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, I'll send you a picture of it, but it's one of the ones that has a long wooden handle. And the loofah on the end. I think loofahs are creepy. 
personally. Well, you can't wash them. Yeah. I'm always afraid that tons of crap is going to grow in it. I mean, it looks like something from another planet or something. Isn't it a seed pod or something? Isn't that what a loofah is? Are you uh, the real? Oh, you mean like a real loofah? Ew, I would never use a real one. Not like the nylon net kind of ones that are. Yeah, I'm talking about a loofah. No, thank you. What is a loofah made of? It's a sponge, isn't it? I think so. A gross dead thing. What is a loofah? A noun. Loofah. It's a thing you scrub your ass with. One. Any of several tropical vines of the genus loofah of the dried fibrous interior of this fruit is used as a sponge. That's what. So it's a it's it's the guts. So it's a fruit. fruit. It's nothing that gross. It's fruit. What? So you're just like you know guts. All dried smearing out, smearing fruit all over hmm. your body again. You See, can I, use that I thought in the it was a se- in the bedroom. I guess I, I thought it was a sea creature, which grossed me out even more than the idea. Of- it looks like a corn husk. Yeah, bit, I'm gonna yeah. just use those stupid fake ones that are a dollar at Target. Thank you, and then I'll throw it out when it's gross. Then you'll have then microplastics in your lungs, and they're better at holding soap, and so you drizzle it with body wash or. But the only, on, the only yeah, thing the I have a problem with. with sorry, everyone. I'm killing the planet. It's my fault. It's the loofah. I can never I'm get right the soap out of it. See, I the idea that the soap sits in there grosses me out. I do not use one. And I just use wet. my hands. I I, I I don't use a loofah, but if I did, I would not use one of those dried fruit, whatever gross things is all. Know, I'm something yeah. about not not being able to wash it properly. Yeah, I don't know. I put Everybody's, a bar of soap in my hand and that's about it. I think what, what we've kind of discovered oh, here is that, is that we've all had to adapt our own personal routine because nobody told us what to do. You just kind of figure it out. Yeah. I actually use an exfoliating washcloth and then I can wash it. And then once it gets worn out, I just buy a new set. Yeah. I don't use a washcloth in the shower either. I use a washcloth. I don't either. I don't like not using a washcloth. I can't get it to all the nooks and crannies. I mean, I could with my hand, but it doesn't, I don't know. It doesn't scrub. I don't feel clean. Hmm. Maybe I should. You know, I, I have very light. way late in life was that when you shampoo your hair, you, while the shampoo is still in it, you finger comb out all the tangles. I used to just shampoo my hair and then fight with it for like 20 minutes to get the tangles out. And it wasn't until I took my dog to a grooming place and, and it was a long haired dog. And I, and the same thing, they said, you know, finger comb out all the, all the tangles while he's still soapy. And it's a lot easier. And it was like way easier to, to do the dog's fur. And I got home and thought, I wonder if that would work on my fur. And it did. <laughs> I do that. I too. just use a lot of conditioner. That's funny. I've never. See, I in fact, when I, I shampoo my hair, that's too. when it gets all tangly because I just put it all on top of my head in a big old mess. Oh, and also I learned this new thing just recently that when you have just shampoo and you don't like lather it first, like it doesn't do its job properly. You have to like start lathering it up a little bit and then put it on and it actually works better. I don't do that. I didn't know that. Yeah, that was a thing I learned like within the last three months, maybe four months. I saw it on YouTube or something. Although now a lot of shampoos don't suds anymore because sulfates are what make them suds up. Mm. I guess I got. So then what? I I guess I got (laughs) sulfates. 
I mean, once I rub it around my hair a lot, it gets. I don't have so a whole hell of a lot of hair, but it, it's fine. <laughs> so it the the residue tends to stay in it and make it greasy, and that's what I saw. It was on Facebook. I saw something on Facebook where they were talking about if you get if your hair gets greasy real fast, that's why you've got too much residue in your hair. You're supposed to lather it up before you put it in there, and then put it in, and that way it doesn't glop in there. I feel like there should be a book, um, being a woman for dummies. That has all of this stuff in there that I can read <laughs> that I don't know. <laughs> Somebody write that shit. We need it. So we can pass it along to our daughters. I feel like American Girl, like the doll company, I feel like they have that book, honestly. Really? I've never bought it. I hear good things about it, though. But everything oh. American Girl makes is really expensive. It's like called the care and keeping of young girls, I think. Does it tell you how to clean your hoo-hoo? Well, I don't know. I haven't read it, but it supposedly tells you a whole lot of stuff. But they should tell about... you that, too. They should instruct you on I that. I don't even know if I know that. Well, I don't know if I'm doing you it You guys properly. shave your toes? Occasionally, what? yes. Yeah, I have to shave you know, my toes. You know, I was 42 when I realized that people get really offended if you wear sandals and your toes aren't shaved. Yeah. I have there are a bunch heard, of moms in my mom's group my that were freaking. people shaving their toes. I, I just started, shaved my you know toes today. I started doing it because of the Hobbit, <laughs> and and we were they were making fun of his hairy toes, and I'm like, I don't want people to think I'm a Hobbit. I'm shaving those bad boys, but my hair's pretty light though. So, I think my hair is light too because I, I think I heard that and I shaved them, and then I never shaved them again. But like seriously, like this was there were these three moms, and they were like, okay, my biggest pet peeve ever is toes are gross. And if you don't shave those toes, you are contributing to the problems of society. And I was just like, whoa, you know, I should never go barefoot in front of these people. You know what I'm really getting from all of these conversations is eavesdropping is helpful, right? <laughs> we should drop eaves more often. <laughs> Listen to other people's conversations. You learn things like, you know, how you should shave your toes and wash your feet. <laughs> uh, well, of course, I overheard one time about how um, how unseemly it was that people don't people who don't paint their nails are just r ridiculously gauche because you know they're walking around with bare nails. I don't paint my nails. I don't paint my uh -oh. nails anymore. I don't even file mine half the time. Yeah, if I'm lucky, I remember to do that. I cut mine off when they start getting long enough that they hit the keys on the keyboard. I am amazed by. Women who can do the long, fancy nails. I have a I have a friend whose nails are always. I mean, they're stunning. They're works of art. But it's like I w I wouldn't be able to button my coat if I had those nails. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to do anything. Be walking see, around in a bathroom. Watching those nails get done is very relaxing. Would I want those nails? No, because it would get chipped like in two seconds. Yeah. Plus, you see people, you know, getting their change at the freaking Walmart, and if they drop something on the floor, that's it. They can't pick that shit up. They're like, mm, I don't need that <laughs> The only thing with long nails, and they are beautiful, and a lot of people take care of them, and I know it's my own pet peeve, but I always wonder how dirty they are on the inside because they're thick and painted, and I know you just wash stuff with bleach, so. I'm a bleacher. And I don't know, I guess I've just seen a lot of people that have real dirty underneath their nails, but they're painted and pretty on the top. 
until you know, they turn that them might over. be a metaphor for people's personalities. Too. And it grosses me out <laughs> because then I just they're think, all pretty on the top. But you look underneath and you can tell they're fake and filthy. Yeah, because I'm like, you know, uh, did you wash your hands really well and scrape your nails last time that you wiped your ass? Because it looks like some of that is still under there. <laughs> or last time or just to think that they're in there cooking and all that. Oh! nastiness is going on the food okay now i'm blessed out <laughs> not hungry anymore <laughs> nope we've successfully transitioned from food to filth yeah <laughs> speaking of transitions do you think it's about time we hit some books oh Were we supposed yeah. to read books my bad <laughs> damn it hold on shoot i totally forgot to read a book this week <laughs> Have you cleaned your book today? Have you? <laughs> so how to properly clean a book. Everybody yeah. scrape your nails and join me in this review. Because oh. I don't want your dirty, nasty fingernails all over my book. I don't know how to transition from that. <laughs> Speaking of royal pains in the ass, the book I read this week is called The Royal Nanny by Karen Harper. And um, this book was kind of a different read. I can't really decide if I like it or not. It's still one of those one of the, one of those books that I'm pondering in my mind. Pondering. Do you like that word pondering? I'm trying She's to pondering. I'm trying to use more big words. Yeah, go ahead. I'm trying to be sophisticated like you, Martha. I'm not sophisticated. Use fancy words. Fancy words that sometimes I have to look up. <laughs> Okay, so this book starts in 1897, and a nanny, a young nanny, comes to work for the royal family. She's come. She was recommended to them by um, her previous family, where the, you know, the children just got too old for a nanny. So, and uh, her name is Charlotte, but the little kids that she's watching are very young. And they can't say Charlotte, so they call her Lala. So that's basically her name through this whole book is Miss Lala. And she gets to the castle, and she's only supposed to be an, uh, one of the nursemaids to the, the main nanny. But within the first couple chapters, you find out the main nanny is abusing the two little boys and making them cry right before they go see the king because she wants them to be hers only and not like her real mom and dad she's very sad twisted individual so she's fired and miss lala becomes the main nanny and she's their nanny for i don't know this book probably goes for about 17 18 years the main story itself and it's just about the kids growing up her having to kind of fight for the rights of the the children with their parents, they want them to be perceived in a specific way. And like one of the little boys is knock-kneed. So they have to, she has to make him wear braces on his legs to try to straighten his legs out. And they're not comfortable and they're iron and they're heavy and he wants to run and play, but he can't when he's wearing the braces. And then one of the other little boys has um, a problem that she has to kind of fight to try to make sure that he's taken care of and not that they're horrible people it's just 
in the society that they live in, they're supposed to be seen in a specific way by the public, by their country, and they have to make sure that that is the way that it is. And it it was a good book. I liked the main character. Even though she's kind of in a servant role, she's a very strong individual. And she has such a grace in the way that she presents the ideas to the king and queen. That it's, I don't know, I just kind of admire that because she's not brass. She's still fighting for him, but she's not being belligerent or disrespectful. She has a very unique way of just walking that line. And of course, some of it is about her life. Because she's the nanny to the royal family, she, of course, can't get married and have a family of her own. And there is a gentleman who she falls in love with, and he falls in love with her, and he basically dumps her because she will not leave her post as nanny for the royal family. So it's about, partly about that. It was just a really good book. It's just kind of one of those that you're a fly on the wall, and you're just kind of going through her life with her and the life of these children. If I was more interested in the royal family, I would have liked the book more. I did like the book. The writing was wonderful. I think Megan would like this book better than I did because she loves the royals. I just, I have lukewarm feelings for the royal family and wanting to know their history. But it was still a really good read and I would recommend it to somebody who maybe is new to historical fiction and needs something a little bit lighter and not quite as sad to read as something from World War II (laughs) that I usually read. There is a little bit of sadness in this book, but it's not not that bad. I would give it a four, four and a half stars. It was good. And if you're interested in learning the history of the royal family, this would be a great book for you. That again is called The Royal Nanny by Karen Harper. Keith, what sorts of interesting things have you got to share with us today? Uh, So the book that I'm reviewing this week is called Darling Girl by Liz Mikalski. And this was actually sent to us. So I want to thank Kayla Mancuso from uh, Wonderkind Public Relations. She sent this book to us to uh, read and see how we liked it. And uh, so this it's called Darling Girl, and that's like a play on uh, the Darlings from Peter Pan. So this is, oh. it's not a retelling exactly, but it's about Wendy's granddaughter, whose name is Holly. So it's basically going off of the idea that Peter Pan actually existed. J.M. Barry came to their house and heard of all of Wendy's stories, and the family are all very strange about Peter Pan you get that it wasn't the greatest experience of their lives, I guess, when he comes to take them to the magical world. Like all sorts of weird stuff has happened and you don't really get a sense right away of what exactly has happened with the whole Peter Pan culture. So Holly is Wendy's granddaughter. Um, Wendy obviously got taken by Peter Pan. Jane is Wendy's daughter. And Peter Pan has never come back to have any adventures with Jane. 
So for all of Holly's life, she's kind of grown up alone because Jane is jealous and kind of jerky about the fact that Peter Pan has never taken her on adventures. And Holly had just, has had just terrible, terrible things happen in her lives. So she's older. She, when we come into the story, she is the head of a, a skincare company. She's like a doctorate in, I, I want to say chemistry. So she basically like comes up with the products and stuff. Holly had twin boys and a husband named Robert. And when the twin boys were, I want to say like two, maybe they were all in this horrible accident. Her, her, one of her twins died, her husband died and her other twin that lived and herself are just experienced terrible, terrible injuries from this car accident. Her son, her, her living son is Jack and he had all these terrible injuries that caused him to not be able to play like normal kids. And so she's, she's raising, and at this point he's 15. She also has a daughter and her name is Eden and Eden is 13. But when Eden was, and I forget how old she was, but she was like a young kid and her mom found her in a tree one day and she fell out of the tree. And ever since then, she's been in a coma. So this is like, we're talking 10 years or something that her daughter's been in this coma. Uh, so her, so long that her son, Jack, doesn't even know that his sister exists. He doesn't remember her or anything. So every month, Jack has to get this weird, um, like blood transfusion kind of thing. And you don't exactly know what the deal is, but when he gets it, he starts feeling better and his skin pinks up. And so there's all sorts of mysteries about what that is. But the biggest turn in our story comes when Eden disappears and she's in a coma. So like she lives and the darlings are very rich because the Peter Pan story and everything else has gotten them tons and tons of money. So she uh, Holly and her son, Jack, live in the United States and run the skincare company. And she has left Eden in like the ancestral home in England. And so she gets this call one day and her daughter is just missing. And she's in a coma. So where could she have gone? And then it comes to light that Eden's father is Peter Pan. And Holly is convinced that Peter Pan has kidnapped. He found out that he has a kid and he has kidnapped her. So this is not the kind of like, yay, Peter Pan. He is so much fun. He's actually like a big dick in this book. (laughs) And obviously he has grown because, I mean, he's not this like young pixie guy that got this woman pregnant 10 years ago or 13 years ago. But there are all these really bizarre, like little twists and turns that I, it's hard to even say too much about the book. But basically, the issue is that one day her daughter, who should be lying in a bed like she has been for 10 years, is missing. Oh, and her daughter has this really bizarre disease that causes her to age more rapidly than she should. So she has like the opposite of what Peter Pan has. Like he ages really, really slowly. And her daughter who's 13 looks 25. 
I mean, but you wouldn't know because she's gone. <laughs> she's missing. For anyone who likes fairy tale retellings or the story goes on, or I'm really into the stuff where they tear apart the main, the first story, like Wicked, those kind of things. I love that when it turns out, or Confessions of a Stepsister, yeah, when it turns good. out the bad guys aren't the bad guys that you think they are, and the good guys aren't necessarily the good guys from the fairy tales. I, that's my jam. So if you like that kind of thing, this book, this is a really interesting fantasy book to get into. And there isn't a whole lot of like, there's no real Neverland. I mean, it all takes place in London or the United States. So it's just very, very interesting. And it's a more realistic, probably isn't the right word. It's like a modern day, like if you were, ta- if it was taking place now, this is the kind of crap that wouldn't, no, no Tinkerbell, like none of that happy go lucky stuff. I mean, this is what the real fairy tale boils down to. So uh, it was really, really interesting. Like I said, there's a whole bunch of really bizarre stuff that comes to light and you're like, oh my gosh, okay. Um, how does that work into our happy-go-lucky Peter Pan story? But uh, I really recommend it. It was really good. And that again was Darling Girl by Liz Mikowski. You know, um, it really sounds good, but before you started to kind of explain it, the first place my head went mm. was what if Peter Pan was a pedophile kidnapper? <laughs> Ooh. Wouldn't that be a cool story? No. It would be horrible. Well, of course it would be horrible, <laughs> but I mean it's like it's like no. it's like this tiny little thread of something that you thought was one thing and it turned out to be way worse. Mm. Now, Hook could be the I have, I'll tell you what, Peter Pan is my very favorite story to read the weird retellings of, so I've probably read 20-some. Have you read Peter and the Star Catchers? Yes, yeah, that's, that's one of my favorites. Yeah. Because, but, I mean, Dave Barry is just so he amazing. Is, anyway. yeah. And this was definitely the most thought-out, like, thought-provoking. I mean, if there was an actual... It sounds dumb to say this was the most one I could see happening, but I, it was basically a story like, oh, yeah, this could happen in London. Sure. I, but it, it was very it was very good. It's definitely an adult story. I mean, it's not like, woohoo, Peter Pan, you're so great. You're woohoo, fun times. Remember when we we're talking about traumatizing your children? <laughs> right. Yeah. Don't let them read this one. Let them read the cute one where we believe in fairies and stuff. Uh, Pat. I read a book called Strangers We Know by L. Marr. It's E-L-L-E, so I'm guessing probably L. It's a new book out, she, it, but she's not. it's not her first book, although I haven't read any of the earlier ones. It's in, in the thriller genre, and I always appreciate an interesting hook if you're going to read in that genre that pulls you in quickly. And she came up with a really good one to my mind. The main character, uh, Ivy Hahn, is uh, a woman in her mid to late 20s. She has known for most of her life that she was adopted, but she's been having some, some health problems that they're having trouble diagnosing. And so she wants to see if she can find anything out about her birth family. So she does one of the genetic ancestry type tests. And before she even gets the results back, she's sitting having coffee at her neighborhood coffee shop one morning when a guy approaches her. 
he's an FBI agent. And he says, you had this test done. She had checked the box that said, you can send, you know, use my results for broader genetic profiling. Well, her test came back saying that she is a close relative of someone they only know as the full moon killer, a serial killer. Who oh, is great. Me. Yeah. So she has no idea who her birth family is, except that one of them is apparently a serial killer. Damn. They have his DNA, but they don't know who he is. That happens it all must, the time. You know, left something behind. Left a, yeah. She gets in touch through that test. She's contacted by a woman who turns out to be her cousin, who says that she was notified about this. And so Ivy goes to visit this cousin in mostly because she wants to find out about, like I said, her medical, you know, for medical purposes, her history. Then there's this whole serial killer issue that suddenly comes up. And the full moon killer, as you probably guessed, kills on the full moon dates. So it's like a week away from full moon. And she's in this little town up in the Pacific Northwest waiting to see what will happen. And there are a lot of good twists in this book. The author is very good about keep, because you're wondering, could it be this person? Could it be that person? And she has, she gives you a pretty good range of plausible suspects. It's not one of those where you know from the get-go, oh, well, clearly it's this person. There was one twist that I was, I and I don't want to give away too much. I wasn't, it was to me kind of an unnecessary twist. It just threw in a random kind of mm. subplot that didn't Don't they really call that a, uh, go anywhere. Red herring. Red herring. Well, <laughs> it, I, it was, it was kind of a red herring. There were enough other red herrings that I felt like you didn't need this oh. one. This was a, turned out to be a pretty big red herring. And it was just, on the other hand, as we have talked about on other shows, when they give the estimates of how many serial killers are actually operating in, mm -hmm. in the United States at any one time, it's not, I suppose, completely implausible that more than one might be operating in the same area. And that's, that's a fairly small criticism. Other than that, I felt like this, this book kept my attention. It was, it was, like I said, hard to figure out, hard to predict which way it was gonna go because there were a good range of plausible suspects. And if you enjoy thrillers, this is one with a, a pretty timely and pretty interesting premise that sets it all up. That's Strangers We Know by L. Marr. Well, that totally sounds like something I would read. Yeah, it does. Dude, I wonder how much, how often that, the whole DNA test thing kind of creeps me out just because. It just makes me I mean, want to go get one. I see something weird like that happening. <laughs> it just makes me want to get one even more. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Hooray, you're related to the creepiest dude along. Yay. Yeah. Yay. I <laughs> might be. You don't oh, know. Oh, and for good measure, there's also a cult operating in the Yay. area of this little town that she's going to. And turns out that lots of lots of people in the town are part of this cult that's that presents themselves as being very community-minded. They're feeding the poor, they're doing all this sort of thing. But they're also heavily into drugs and orgies so nice so it's yeah. the baptist church sorry good one bonnie it's actually pretty good <laughs> because you know the people that went to the baptist church in the small town i grew up in were the hardest partiers in the whole school 
I think I'm hanging out with the wrong Baptists. <laughs> Gee, I wonder if Madison Madison Cawthorn is a Baptist. <laughs> uh, time for me to show you mine. <laughs> we showed you ours. <laughs> we want to see. That's yours. what she said. Yikes. I want to see that butt hair, yeah. baby. <laughs> okay, so I read a book called Woman Eating by Claire Coda. I think it's Coda. It's K-O-H-D-A. The reason that I checked it out was that it sounded like it was going to be my kind of book because it's about a, the description is a young mixed race vampire must find balance in her desire to live among humans. So I thought, oh, okay. You know, I love vampire books. So I thought, I'll, I'll just dig right in. What surprised me about this book was how, A, beautifully written it was, and B, how not vampire-y it was. She's raised by her mother, who's a vampire, and her mother gets dementia or something, and she has to put her in a home. And she's still young enough that she hasn't really been out into the world. So she's probably, you know, college age basically. And she's lived her whole life on a liquid diet. And her mother has set it up. So she takes these, she had been taking these flasks to school her whole life with pig's blood. (laughs) And so that's what she lived on all those years. Well, it's the first time she's been away and been in control of her own life. So she has to try to figure out how to live. And she gets an she's an artist so she gets an artist studio and it's in a kind of a communal type place the studio is and she sets up shop there obviously it has to be someplace with no windows because she's a vampire she's never had a relationship with a boy a guy or a girl and she's never eaten food before so it's sort of like kind of like the backwards way it would be like if drugs were food or if food were drugs. So she's experimenting. She, she, mm. she like fantasizes constantly about food because she associates her father with food because her father was human. And, you know, some of the things that she had learned, you know, being near him, the different kinds of foods he liked and, you know, she always craves, craves, craves those foods and they remind her of him. Well, she's also never had human blood either. But being out in that environment, you know, with being around people and being around guys and she's hungry all the time and she decides she's not going to do pig's blood anymore. Well, she tries to go get pig's blood at the butcher and they won't give her any. They won't sell it to her and they think she's a weirdo. And she says she's a performance artist, so she's trying to get it that way. Well, they won't sell it to her. So she's like, it's almost like she has to try to figure out a way to survive in a world that is not friendly at all to vampires, which of course it isn't. But she's not, you don't get the sense of her feeling drawn to the idea of drinking blood per se. I mean, she's attracted to, there there are sections in the book where she talks about being able to hear people's blood pumping through their veins and like that. But the way the book is written, it doesn't feel like, 
it doesn't feel creepy at all. Like, like she's thinking about drinking other people's blood. It's just really an interesting approach. It kind of felt almost like she was anorexic or something. Daydreaming about food all the time. And she's starving herself to death. She's living in this little, she's not supposed to stay there in this little studio because there are no windows and obviously the the fire code. But she doesn't have an apartment. She lives in this studio. And so it's just basically in her head all the time. And at the same time, she's an artist. So you see all of these things through her eyes that she finds beautiful and you watch her create artwork. It's a really short book, actually. And I guess I surprised myself at how much I really loved it. It was a beautifully written book. And it really, after I finished it, I had a hangover. It was just so, it was not only thought provoking, it was the, it was beautiful. It's almost like you're in her head so much that you're depressed when you're done reading it. <laughs> you know what I mean? She's mm-hmm. just like, really. And like I said, it was a really short book. But yet after I finished it, I just couldn't. Nothing else was hitting the spot after that. Because I really enjoyed it. And of course, you know, she she gets to experience a lot of things for the first time. When she's out on her own. So you can use your imagination on on all of that as well. A lot of people did not like this book because what they expected was a classical vampire novel. And that's not what it was at all. It did not fit into any of those categories. It was so unique and so beautiful. There was almost like a literary fiction idea of what a vampire might think. I don't know. It was her debut novel and I'm totally buying it for my shelf. So. Does she have to hide that she's a vampire or yeah, are she, vampires just a thing? No, she has to okay. hide it. Yeah. That's why her mother would always put the the pig's well, blood in the Well, you said that she took these vials and I was like, are the kids just watching her drink this pig's no, blood? No, it was in a, in a thermos. It was in a thermos. Oh, okay. And, and the straw is opaque. And they, basically she had, she would just explain she had this disease where only thing she could have was liquids and she could only, uh. you know, they really made it work so that it felt like it could actually be done. None of the kids must have ever gone, hey, swap you in my lunch for that. I was <laughs> thinking the same thing. I, she didn't dwell a lot on it. Kids are all different. And I went to school with a lot of kids where they would do things at their house. I always thought was super bizarre. I stayed the night with this girl one time and drinking pig's blood and <laughs> everything smelled like garlic and her parents were That's really toward off the kind vampire. of weird. And, and I, I remember thinking at the time, I wonder if somebody has a weird disease or something around here. Cause it was just odd, different off. So I kind of could see how, you know, if you're sheltered enough and protected enough by your family, you could probably get away with something like that for a very long time. And she, the way she was raised, she wasn't raised to attack anyone or to try to get blood from any source. They just got it from the butcher. It made me really hungry, too. <laughs> For pig's blood? No, but because she was For talking. blood sausage. Because she was, so, she was so enamored with the idea of eating food. So she would describe all these different kinds of food. And I'm sitting there and my mouth was watering the whole time. And I was just thinking, this is really a cool approach to what it might feel like 
Yeah. I thought it was excellent. And I thought you could probably like use that as a metaphor for some other things too. And I don't know. It was short. It was definitely worth a worth a good read. Don't look at the Goodreads reviews because most of the <laughs> people that read it hated it because they were expecting a vampire novel. And it really just wasn't. It didn't feel like a vampire novel, but at the same time, it was really a cool approach. I've read just about every vampire novel known to man. And that's <laughs> one of the reasons that I liked it so much is that I've read all of those. And it was something completely different. So that was called Woman Eating by Claire Coda. It kind of makes me think of the the new vampires in You Suck, but a seri- more serious story. Yeah, yeah. Because they're trying to figure out how to be vampires too because nobody's ever really shown them. Right how to be vampires and they're trying to figure out how they can have their morning coffee and exactly and everything yeah else, so. yeah there's a lot of really I mean you would just really feel for this girl because she's just so shy and and artsy and sweet and you just feel bad for her that she doesn't have anybody she can talk to about it so you know that's part of it too is the loneliness yeah. that she feels and her need for connection, and she just can't can't connect with anybody because of who she is. She needs a support group, yep. a vampire support group. Now that I was would, just gonna say that I would totally fucking read that book. Somebody <laughs> write it. It's a vampire support group. <laughs> the modern the modern vampire support group. That's because what I would you know, call if it. you think about it, there could be vampires among us. There who, could be. You because there's a lot of people that you never see eat and yep. you don't really see a lot in the daytime. You know, I had somebody one of the times that I moved, which was plenty when I was younger, I guess like when we very first moved next door to them, we didn't come out in the daytime, like for the first couple months for some reason. And she said that she thought that we were vampires because we never came out in the daytime. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Of course, but yeah, you know, where I was my like neighbors 14, probably think but... that about me. <laughs> but I, but there are a lot of quirky things that families do that <laughs> that you don't question really. Exactly, you don't because it's just their family. Or if somebody has a rare disease where they can't, there was a lady that came over here one time who is the wife of a guy that my husband used to work with, and they came over for dinner, and she has this weird disease where her she can't eat. In fact, they lived in Casper for a while. She, I don't know what, she has to like. She has a feeding tube? Like, no, no. She, it, it's some weird disease that something's wrong with her stomach and she has to, I don't know. But I thought at the time, you mean you can't eat anything? Because, you know, if it's just that you can't, what? it was weird. It, Maybe she see, was a vampire. So see, there we go. Maybe she was really a vampire. Uh-huh. She did look really young. You never know. <laughs> she probably filled up on pig's blood before she came to That's your right. House. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> She's been to the butcher. Anyway, <laughs> that's that's my story. It was a really good book. I was very surprised at how hungover I was when I finished reading it. Hmm. I just didn't expect that going in. It's I'm, almost dare I say poignant. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Keep that P word out of the <laughs> out of your mouth. <laughs> Keep that P word 
out your fucking mouth. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> We're way past the slap by, by this point. Can you imagine what would happen if that girl hadn't been, you know, shown what to do by her mother? The whole time you were saying that, that's all I was thinking. I, I, I'm an I'm a terrible person because the whole time I was thinking how irresponsible of that woman to let her daughter get that old and not like show her how to get pig's blood or like <laughs> explain to her how like that makes me a little mad, actually. Because I'm terrified for that young girl trying to figure out how to live life as a vampire. Well, I think by the time that she was old enough for her mother to start explaining things like that, her mother was already downhill with the issues that she was having. I mean, with a disease like that, it goes so gradual. You can so kind of see a, how it might Why you happened. need a scrapbook, baby? When, when a vampire gets Here's dementia, a neck. what are they what are they, do they forget they're supposed to drink blood? Does she have to like figure it out again every day? I don't know if I'd want to be the nurse to help that dementia patient. And it also brings up an interesting point of how she was raised. Did she only have pig's blood her whole life? Was she born a vampire or did somebody bite her when she's a baby? I don't know. These are things that we need to know. These are things we need to know. We need a, we need a, how to be a vampire for dummies book. Just like how to be a woman for dummies. Yeah. How to be a woman for dummies. Here's how you hunt for blood. Here's what you do if you can't find any blood. Don't bite that human. Humans are friends, not food. <laughs> friends, not food. You go to the blood bank I and guess that break gives a window. New meaning to that song, Hungry Eyes. <laughs> He's hot for more than just her body. <laughs> I'm hungry for what's inside, baby. <laughs> no, not your brain. <laughs> I'm starting to get tired. Ron hasn't on. turned on the air conditioner yet, and it's like 85 fucking degrees in here. So we're having a podcast from the hot hole. It's the hot hole. We're in the hot hole. And it's hot on regular days, and it's really hot up in here. Hot box. Hot, Martha, like hot did hole. your mother always hot tell hole. you you had to wear bangs when you were growing up? Did she tell me that? No, actually, when I was um, when I was in, I want to say like I was 11 or 12 is the first time I noticed how horrible I look without them. Is it because of your nose? It's because I have a really high forehead. (laughs) You look like Polly. Everyone looks horrible (laughs) if you do that. (laughs) No, but my hair's really thin. So if you go like this, I mean, look at that forehead. It's like, whoa, I got an alien head. (laughs) Shut up. There's something in this article about how somebody's mom made them wear bangs when they were growing up because they had a big nose. And I'm like, and that's why that kid now thinks she has a big nose. Now Bonnie's not going to be able to unsee my forehead forever. (laughs) I'm ready to choke to death over here because God, Bonnie saw my huge alien try to help you guys end this show. <laughs> I'm sorry, it was just hilarious. I know you won't let us put a picture of that on the no, podcast. No, I will you not. All just have to believe me. It was so funny. <laughs> you need to do that like for Halloween. Fuck you. I'm not doing that. I have my standards. I'm wearing bangs until I die. I if anybody puts me in a casket, says, can you, Pat? She's fainter than, well, what? fainter That's than everybody That's because she's not else. talking into her. Is that, 
She is, is not talking very loudly today at all. And she's way far away. Can you hear me? I mean, better? Not way, but I can't. My way. So she's small. saying all these terrible things and I have no idea what she's. Oh. So I'm she's not just making fun of my sure funny. huge alien forehead. It's because you guys hear me through the computer and not through the microphone. And neither of you is wearing oh. headphones. Yeah, that's true. I don't like wearing headphones yeah. generally. I'm sorry. You don't listen to the podcast. You're sorry for what? That they can't hear me. Making fun of my huge alien forehead. <laughs> it was just a funny look on your face. That's why. But you'd make a perfect Elizabeth the first in some play. Yeah, that's true. She did have a big forehead, didn't she? She had the she had the high forehead thing going. Yeah, but, so weird. Believe me, I have a horrible forehead. That's why I have bangs. That's why I will always have bangs. I but, had one boyfriend one time tell me that he wanted me to grow my bangs out because he wanted my hair all one length, and I was like, "All right, well, I'll try it." And I did it for about a month, and I was like, mm, "Sorry." I'm just saying there are not many faces that look good without them. You guys are lucky because clearly you have beautiful faces. Both of you. I've had bangs and I have I them. They're right here. Yeah. Yeah. I'm... See, here are my bangs. And there are, to the side. there are some people that, in fact, there was this uh, lady that Dylan um, was on the soccer team and she was the coach's wife. And she went to have her hair done one day and she came back. And she, she had like gotten her hair straightened and decided she was not gonna have bangs anymore. And I couldn't like make my face not be mean, oh, uh. because she looked ten years older because you could see her forehead wrinkles and stuff. I was like, dude, that's not a good look. Mm. <laughs> I couldn't help it. You said, dude, that is not a good look. Well, not exactly that way, but I said, oh. Oh no, that's even worse. I like that I said, is. my face just ruined it. <laughs> Remember how we said about the eavesdropping and stuff? Dude, you just went straight to the source. I did. Yeah. Yeah. We're gonna name a drink after you. As long as it's cold, I don't care. Cause I'm so hot. You know what I could really use right now? A frozen pastry strudel. Yeah, I was gonna say a frozen eclair sounds delicious. Need some frozen cream. Yeah. Frozen hot dog. I don't understand how those work. Pastry strudel? No, I'm still thinking about those Boston cream toaster strudel, whatever they are. That's because they put the cream in instead of the fruit filling, and then they give you a little packet of chocolate instead of a packet of frosting. Oh, my God. See, now, I am sorry, Pat, but I truly thought she was mistaken. I was like, that can't be a thing. God, it even looks disgusting in the picture. What do you mean it's not? It's delicious. Uh, I'd be skeptical because uh, I love Boston cream pies. And the fact I that that cream is yellow just really icks no, me out. No, but it's some, egg yolks. Yeah, it's supposed it's to be yolks. yellow. It's like a it's, custard. Listen, mm-hmm. it's not going to taste like a homemade Boston cream pie that Pat would make. But for I've had the ones Pat makes and they're really good for like trailer trash like me. It's like a delicacy. Okay. <laughs> Oh, so it'd be like the equivalent of frozen peeled grapes. 
if I've ever eaten those. <laughs> sure. No, the fancy people do that, you know, to put in there. Oh, to put in their wine? Yes. I didn't even have Pop-Tarts growing up. So can you imagine the first time I had a pastry strudel? You know I thought fine. it was oh like the God, best Oh my God, it's thing. caviar. <laughs> this is the caviar of breakfast pastries. <laughs> oh my God, is this what rich people eat for breakfast? I kind of thought. This is what the rich kids get <gasps> for breakfast. You should call it a toaster donut, not a toaster strudel. Mm-hmm. Many problems with this whole thing. I'm just staring it's at not, a picture. It's not very strudely. It's, no, uh, no, it's I'm not. just staring at the poppin' fresh doughboy or whatever his name is and thinking bad things about him <laughs> because of this stupid Boston cream <laughs> toaster pastry. Mmm, Boston creamy. I just want to bite it and let that could good you imagine stuff she just said. squirt out. You, can you imagine what? my surprise? That's what she said. <laughs> exactly. Can you imagine my surprise when I had like my first like duck and donuts or Krispy Kreme Boston cream pie? donut i'm like oh my god this is what it's really supposed to taste like no it's really supposed to taste like the french bakery that dunkin donuts ripped off of. i just want a beautiful bathe can you imagine some people want a mud bath i want a boston cream pie bath can you imagine walking into in the it. uh the executive suite at the omni hotel and in finding toaster strudel, and in that big bathtub you find in there, just have it full of Boston cream, and Bonnie's just laying there going, "Can you bring me another glass of wine?" Sitting there getting drunk in the Boston cream bath. <laughs> I feel sorry for. That's the most offensive thing I can think of. Just yep. the fact that there's that much Boston cream in the world to fill a bathtub. That's what's going to happen when our podcast becomes super, super, super. I'm going to bathe in Boston cream. I'm going to be out of there. And then, okay, when you bathe in the Boston cream, do you rub it into your feet or do you just let gravity do the work? Well, it's a bath, so I don't wash in the bath. I After the bath, you take a shower to wash the dirt off from the bath. You just step out and collect gravity to a trick. Dear God. All right, this is just too weird. Well, considering that Boston cream is like a dairy product and I'm lactose intolerant, I think that it would gravity would not be the only thing working. <laughs> okay, we definitely have to go now, and that's going to do it for Three, three book, book Girls. Can't get enough of Three Book Girls? Check them out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow them on TikTok, YouTube, and check out their website at threebookgirls.com. And join the group Three Book Girls Tribe on Facebook. If you really love them, share the podcast with a friend or join them at one of their live events. Three Book Girls, a Steel Trap production.